Welcome back to The Chosen Life. I'm your host, The Chosen Lawyer. And today we have a very special guest, a man that I've known personally for over 20 years, uh, author of the book, Do Not Ignore Your Mortality. You can see it clearly here. And this is Mr. Greg Barnsdale. Greg, welcome to The Chosen Life. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Well, real pleasure to meet uh, uh, an author on the show. Uh, we've had a couple of them before. This is actually a very unique book. It's not uh, a riveting romantic tale. Uh, it's not a uh, guide on yoga or meditation. This is practical advice from a funeral and financial insider. So maybe not the sexiest topic in the world, but certainly one that people ignore, but shouldn't ignore in many, many cases. So Greg, first of all, a little background on yourself before we get into the book. Again, do not ignore your mortality. So now we've known each other again for over 20 years, and we originally met uh, through financial planning, insurance, etc. But you had a very unique occupation before you went into that realm. Yes, I, I, I did. I started out my career as a, as a funeral director, and uh, I worked at that for about 10 or 12 years, and then basically switched over to become a financial advisor. Got to ask you about that, because uh, first of all, what what brought you to the realm of being a funeral director? Like what inspired you to, to originally pinpoint that career? Well, it actually, it, it goes back to my guidance counselor recommending it. I, I believe back in high school, in grade 13, I had completed a, a questionnaire, and that's what the results uh, pointed me to. I, I actually wanted to become a helicopter pilot, but I didn't have enough physics. Well, it's that's quite the spectrum of helicopter pilot to funeral director. Now, you know, they say that, you know, we have with certainty we have death and taxes. So you know as a funeral director, you're always going to be in business. There's always going to be income coming in. So that being said, and doing it for 10 years, uh, you know, I've met, I've met people in that industry before, and it seems like it's very often a family industry, you know, generational people learn the craft and people tend to stay in it. What was your decision to break away from that realm into the world of financial and insurance, et cetera? Well, I, I, I did enjoy the industry and I've gone back to it actually, but I, I wanted a change. I, I wanted to experience, um, another type of work that related to the funeral industry. And I had a strong interest in estate planning. So that's, that's why over my career, I had really focused in that area. Interesting. I thought maybe you were a big wrestling fan and maybe, you know, you're a big fan of the undertaker and his manager, Paul bearer. And you're watching that. You said, Hey, that's for me. No, no, that's not the case for me. Did you ever watch them on wrestling though? A, a little bit, a little bit. I do, I do a wrestling show as well, so that tends to come up quite a bit. And uh, it, it's funny, one a Hall of Fame wrestler and one of the best known, but uh, one that brought certainly attention to the industry, so to speak. <laughs> and so I can understand from that end of it, planning for people, when you're at, on that end of the spectrum, you really understand what the process involves so you can help walk people through when you're now advising them, you know, from your, from your new perspective. Yes, yeah, that's right. I, I, I wanted more of a holistic type of well-rounded approach to um, be able to guide people through this this phase of the, the last stage of life that uh, 
quite often confuses a lot of people. Most, a lot of people just don't know what to expect or, or what needs to be done. So it just seemed to make sense to, to focus in that area. So what inspired you to when, being in the, now you've been in this industry now for obviously a number of years, as far as yes. from a planning perspective. Now it's a, I, I'm going to guess it's been from the time I've known you, or is it well over two decades, would you say? Well, I've, I've worked in both industries uh, for about, um, well, I'd say at least 15 years in, uh, in each. And so what, what then inspired you to be able to write a book on the subject matter? I mean, I looked at this book, I thought it was fantastic. First of all, uh, very easy read. Uh, it's not a thousand pages. It really cover off a lot of the spectrum for people so that they can understand from a planning perspective what's involved. You're talking here about communication, will planning, funeral, cremation, burial planning, estate planning, and power of attorneys. You covered off a lot of good topics there in a really easy format to read and understand. The glossary section I thought was excellent, by the way, because we're going to flip back to, we're always going to hear these terms and we're not going to understand what they are. So you providing that glossary is excellent. So tell me, what was the brainchild for the book and how did you put that together for yourself that you're actually going to produce this project? Well, I've, I've tried a number of things over the years, John. I, 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 as I said, I've always had a strong interest in, in helping to inspire people to plan ahead. And, and I did find that working in the, uh, the funeral industry and also in the financial planning industry, there were quite a number of, a fair percentage of people that generally just didn't want to talk about these things. I, I found it um, frustrating from the standpoint that I, I felt I could do something better. And that was really the, the, the genesis of this book and putting this, this together to help people. And it's really just meant to be a conversation starter to get people thinking about and talking with their families about what they want to have happen. And then from that, hopefully engage the right, uh, the right people to help them. There seems to be, uh, you know, as, as uh, in my field of law, in real estate, I also get into a lot of corporate commercial and wills and estates as well. It's never seems to fail that as far as real estate, somebody has a uh, family member that passed away, did not have a will, somebody that uh, needs to do a real estate transaction. The person is alive, the family member or friend, but they're incapacitated. They did not make a power of attorney ahead of time. And people seem, you know, when they, when they bring up the subject matter, when we discuss it uh, as a lawyer to client, very often they tell me, Oh, I don't want to think about that. If I go make my will or power of attorney, I'm going to jinx myself. I'm going to die. I'm going to get injured. So, I don't want I, I'm too young for that. This is not for me. I hear so many of those conceptions. Is that along the lines of what you hear as well? It, it is, yes. There's a lot of superstition that, that plays into this sort of planning in advance. And, and you just alluded to it. But it, I, I think it's quite prevalent out there. And, and people need to understand that, that just because they, they create a will... Um, or, or do any of this sort of planning or a power of attorney, it doesn't mean that it's going to attract those types of, of issues into their life. It's, it, it, it's great if people understood the, you know, that part of it and got to speak to professionals, but it's funny, they only seem to come to the professionals once it's too late, once they actually need it, and then it's not available to, you know, I can't tell you how many times, Greg, somebody's come to me and tell me, I need a power of attorney prepared uh, for someone but they're already in the point of incapacitation. We cannot sign up somebody who's incapacitated and it's a shame if they would do it ahead of time, you know, and there's a certain checklist that people need to prepare. And that thing that's, 
That's just very, very important in, in, in life and general planning. It's just smart, smart planning ahead of time. And these are the kinds of things I understand that you are heavily involved with with people. And so make, producing this book again, I think was, was a great idea. It's a really easy format to, to read and digest. And, but actually having a brainchild to prepare it versus actually publishing it and getting to the final product, walk us through like, what is the timeline to do something like this? And what, what goes into it work-wise? Cause you know, you have a lot of citations and you know, a lot of commentary. This is, this is not an easy thing to produce, Greg. So, you know, it's one thing to be inspired to do it. It's another one to pull up your sleeves and actually get it done. You're right, John. It is a lot of work. I leaned on my publisher, Friesen Press, uh, quite a bit. Um, and, and I had a number of people help me uh, provide feedback as I wrote this. One of the things that was highly recommended that I do is, is to uh, recruit a number of people from my target market. And I did that um, for them to provide me feedback as I created the whole manuscript. And they were incredibly helpful. But I basically created the book based on what they felt should go in this book. And they were not financial planners, they were not lawyers, they were not uh, insurance type people, they were just everyday people. Some, most of them retired, some of them teachers or uh, business coaches, that sort of thing. But uh, it, it, it was very helpful. Um, but it, it took a, a long, long time um, to do this, to give you an idea of the kind of the bigger picture of how long it took me. This, this, took, this whole project took uh, almost a decade to pull together. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I thought maybe it was a couple of years, 10 years. That's a labor of love. It, it, it is. It, it, I always knew at some point, John, that I'd be able to merge the experience that I had, that, that I gained from the funeral industry with that from the financial planning industry and create something unique. Uh, at one point, I was traveling across Canada teaching financial advisors about the funeral industry. And, and that went over okay. There was certainly some interest. Uh, but uh, it, it just seemed to me that a, a, a well-written book uh, would be the, the better approach. If you could walk through our viewers, you know, as far as from a planning perspective, as far as not ignoring your mortality, you could say what are the top three mistakes people make? What would you say they are in, from your experience? Well, one of the biggest mistakes is putting off this type of planning. You, you mentioned it a few minutes ago, and that is so true. Uh, too many people feel that it's not going to happen to them. They get busy with, with life, and we all get busy with life. But uh, we, we have to step back, and, and, and it, we should step back and, and plan for what is truly important. And, and if someone is, is, is taken out of the picture because of a death or even a serious disability, well, from a financial planning point of view, that's, that's a, a, a critical aspect that could be alleviated through good planning. Um, so that's, that's one of the, the things that I have seen too often. Another thing is, is leaving uh, insurance planning and not reviewing it. Uh, when I have reviewed insurance plans with people, specifically life insurance, quite often I, I find that they're underinsured. And that's based on their goals and objectives, not mine. Okay. And number three, if there is a number three? Number three, superstition, I guess. A lot of people just get freaked out by these things and, and just put their, their hands up and say, I'm, I'm not going there. I don't want to talk about it. And I, and I think that's, it's just not a wise thing to do. Well, 
we talked off air and you and you were very open on on yourself which i really appreciate you know you uh being personal here with me and and the viewers obviously and you launched this book and talk about not ignoring your own mortality and as the book is launching you get your own diagnosis if you can that's right that's yes. right two, mo two months after i had published this john i was diagnosed with a brain tumor now, the good news is it is very, very unlikely to be cancerous. It's, it's, it, it will likely need surgery to be removed, and I'm awaiting to hear from um, the next uh, medical specialist about uh, the next steps. So I'm eager to have this surgery completed and, and behind me and have my recuperation uh, underway. But, uh, yeah, it's... it's Apparently, with MRIs, more and more brain tumors are being picked up, and I just happen to be in that in that pool of, of many more people. But uh, I certainly don't think that that myself uh, focusing on this topic over many many years has has any bearing on this whatsoever. No, you can't cause it to fruition. But uh, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, very often these things are found by fluke. Uh, in your case, how? Do you you doing an MRI for something else, or how how was this diagnosis discovered? I had a, a ringing in my left ear for the last little while, and apparently, when medical professionals, uh, when ear, nose, and throat specialists hear of of someone having ringing in one side, uh, they'll recommend an MRI with the suspicion that it could be a tumor. And sure enough, that's that was my case. Uh, I can tell you from a personal experience, uh, I had a tumor in my foot and uh, took a lot of diagnosis to find it. You know, went to a few experts, got the whole gamma of different uh, scans done for myself. And, uh, you know, they were kind of shrugging at me. They kept thinking of different things of what it could be, gout or whatever. But it was funny because until I went to the leading person, they actually discovered what it was. And, you know, I didn't know even that it was a tumor until they told me it was a broken piece of bone in my foot that probably had too much bone grew in there and it broke off and went onto a nerve. And then as I come back afterwards, after the post-op and uh, recovery, I, as I'm leaving the office, I turn over to the uh, surgeon and I said, out of curiosity, what was it? He goes, oh, it was a tumor. I'm like, really? In my foot? He's like, yeah, it was benign. Don't worry about it. It was just like slaking it off. And right. it's funny because I knew there was something there like my whole life pretty much. And it just, you know, it would come and go, come and go a little bit. And they always told me, oh, you're just wearing tight shoes. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So it's, you know, very often, you know, you can have something, you're not aware of it. And unless you know what to ask for and somebody reads it properly, you never know what's lurking in your body. And that's where yeah. I was going to mention to you. You know, when, you, when you're doing a financial plan, you're obtaining insurance, for example, for somebody, sure a lot better to know about, you know, when you are healthy versus after the diagnosis because they're not that quick to insure you afterwards, are they? That, that's very true. The, the best type of insurance that anyone can buy, John, is, is the type of insurance where full medical underwriting is done up front, which is far different from what we see in the television commercials of the easy to buy insurance, even for those whose health is questionable or, or they are up in, up in age. But you're exactly right. Uh, myself as an example right now, because of these uh, medical tests that I'm undergoing, I'm basically uninsurable. So all of the insurance plans that I have bought in the past 
I was very fortunate to have bought them in the past that, that I now have them. I just keep paying the premium. They, they don't come back and, and basically ask any further questions about your health because I've already applied for them and been approved. Well, I got to tell you, because I've met enough people in my industry, you know, as far as transactional wills, et cetera, that when they get any kind of diagnosis, they sulk, they go in the corner, feel sorry for themselves, isolate themselves, fall into depression. And I got to commend you because, you know, knowing you for as long as I have, you're stronger willed than ever. And to inspire others, you know, going through their, any kind of ailments they are, how do you find that strength, Greg? Like, you know, what inspires you to keep going forward and as strong as you are? Well, I've, I've got a lot of work to do. I, I don't have time for a pity party, to be honest with you, John. I've got, uh, I, I really want to share this message with, uh, with a lot of people, and, and it is getting some traction. People are starting to, uh, to take notice, and uh, I'm reaching out to some fairly significant organizations. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited about what the future holds. Uh, with this this message of mine, and and as you said a few minutes ago, it is a bit of a labor of love. That's kind of a, I guess maybe, uh, not a mainstream labor of love, I guess. But uh, it, it, I do feel it's very important, and and I hope to make a big difference. That's that's really you know I I've mentioned this on the show quite a bit, and a lot of the guests we have on, as far as their message goes, it, it seems to be a common denominator. People work hard are inspired and want to make their best life for themselves, their chosen life and to leave a legacy to inspire yeah. others so they can follow and find their paths as well. So hearing your message, I certainly hope inspires others to find their roles and their roads in life. Certainly. And uh, again, I commend you for taking the time, being able to do the interviews that you're doing, given the nature of the surgery. Now, have they walked you through as far as, the timeline on the surgery and what will be your state from there as far as time and then recovery, et cetera? No, not as of yet. My wife and I are eagerly waiting a call uh, from the next um, specialist and uh, that could be coming any day now. So I, I would imagine the surgery could take place anywhere from a couple of weeks down the road to uh, two or three months. I, I really don't know at this point. Now the website is do not ignore your mortality.com. Right. Yes. Yes. Do not correct. ignore. Do not ignore your mortality.com. You're going to have a news update section on there where people can follow as far as what's happening in your events, and uh, as far as uh, organizations and uh, people that are interested in the book and being able to supply the book uh, to either their the the groups or members, etc. Like, how can they go about reaching you that way? Yes, on, on that website, do not ignore your mortality.com. Uh, people can uh, order the book directly from there. The book is available on all physical and electronic uh, platforms. And uh, there's also a one tip a month uh, option where people can sign up for a, a, an, uh, an engaging tip from myself monthly. And it's just a brief tip. But the intention, as I, as I show, share on my website, John, is, is to help people become engaged with this and actually take action instead of reading the book as an example and then forgetting about it and not doing anything. I don't want people to do that. I'd, I'd rather people keep the momentum going. And if they need a, a brief email from me uh, once a month to uh, help inspire them 
to get moving with it, I, I think that could be helpful and people are signing up for that. That's, that's wonderful to hear. And Greg, I got to ask you, uh, when you wrote the book and now that it's launched, who is the target audience in mind? Who is the expected reader of the book and where are they able to obtain the book? Well, my, my target audience, th this book is written for the Canadian and the American audience, John. But really, I had been thinking age 50 and over, which is a pretty wide audience, uh, but really it's, it's for younger ages too. Even as I'm sure you've instructed and guided your clients, even if they're, they're younger, uh, they, sh they should also be thinking about a will. So my, my target audience, I had narrowed it down to age 40 and over. And in yes. regards to buying the book, people can buy it to directly off the website to, or even off Amazon or Barnes and Noble if they wish. Wonderful. So it's available online, it's available on the site as well. And I would say if you own property, especially real estate, it's something to think about wills, power of attorneys. If you have children, certainly. And I always tell people, don't think so much about age, think about life circumstances as well. And, you know, people like to think, you know, they're going to live forever and that'd be great, but that's not realistic. And I always tell people, think about your worst case scenario. And if something, God forbid, happens to you, who's left behind? Who's going to make those decisions? What are they going to do? And the more you could set that up for them ahead of time, you could take a lot of pain and, and, and uh, trouble out of their hands if you can pre-plan for them, certainly. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's great advice, John. I could tell you I've seen people that passed away suddenly in their 40s and you got uh, the survivors, no insurance, no money to speak of, and people left with a lot of expenses and heartache. Um, I, I've seen people as far as not planning well, as far as then having to sell their real estate property because they didn't plan as far as the mortgage and who would cover it. So there's a lot of scenarios where people have to think, especially if you're dependent on somebody for an income or as a spouse, a partner, parent, even child sometimes, you got to kind of configure that and figure out, God forbid, if something happens to me, who depends on me and how can I set them up so that I can make their lives easier and not more difficult if God forbid something happens to me, whether I pass away or I get sick, disabled, etc. Yeah, that's that's right. And and one of the, the other important things too, John, is, as you're well aware, is a, a will, a, a valid will, is the only way to specify who you want in charge to wrap up your life. That's a, that's a pretty big, big job. I've seen so many painful times, Greg, where you have a will and, you know, it's very often parents and one surviving parent and they have children and they make one person, one, one, one sibling to make the decision and make all the siblings together to make the decisions. But it's even harder when there is no will and then they can't agree on who's going to be the decision maker. And you have to file forms with the court. You have to give notice. People can dispute it. It can be a gong show. And so the more you can avoid family members fighting, which is not easy, at least if it's in writing and it's set up ahead of time, there's less disputes over it, certainly. Because, I, I, Greg, I've seen so many times uh, in a state that's not well planned is a death sentence as far as relationships go. Yes, I agree. 
So as far as today and wrapping up today's episode, Greg, you've been so great as far as, you know, sharing your story and sharing time. And again, I heavily recommend to people, please check out this book. Do not ignore your mortality. Uh, Just a fantastic read as far as planning for yourself, understanding the process. And, you know, you walk away after reading this. You're not going to, I'm not going to say you feel uplifted and want to go sit on the beach, but you feel like you take uncertainty out of your mind. Instead of worrying about what could be and am I doing all the steps, this gives you a really good starting point in getting your affairs in order so you can sleep better at night saying, you know what, I've taken care of business. So in wrapping up today's episode, I would ask you, as far as inspirational messages to the viewers from your experience, both you know, in the, as a funeral director, then as an insurance broker, uh, financial planning, you know, what, what uh, messages of hope and inspiration can we give the viewers today? Well, I can, I can wrap it up briefly, John, in something that just passed through my mind. And, and those words are simply this, to plan while you can. Plan while you can. For those of you that are listening to us today and saying, you know what? I've been thinking about getting that will done. I thought about getting that power of attorney. Do I need insurance? Where's my finances at? Plan while you can. Get off your duff, make a to-do list, start making those calls tomorrow. Because I can tell you, Greg, it's, uh, and I, I can certainly speak again, uh, you know, when, when uh, you know, life hands you lemons, so to speak. But I can tell you when I was barely able to walk and I felt my foot like that, and it was like for months, it's amazing when God takes away your right foot all of a sudden, how much you're dependent on it and how much life changes and then how grateful you are when you get it back. So certainly uh, I wish you well on the surgery. It's going to go successfully. You're going to have a quick recovery stronger than ever. And it's great that you're able to share your message and your experiences with the audience, but certainly people listening in, you know, this could easily happen as this could happen to any of us. We don't know. So plan while you can. Thank you, John. Greg Barnsdale, a pleasure, my friend. And I'll again, let people know, do not ignore your mortality.com to check out your website. And thank you again for your time, Greg, and we'll see you back on the chosen life. Thank you.